Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner? three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All this focus, focus is supposed to be scientific. Welcome to Back from the Borderline. I'm your host, Molly, and I don't want to talk to your personality, I want to talk to your soul. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something new can rise from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power, you just didn't know that, and now you do. This podcast is a place to unhook from your overextended life to explore, understand, and integrate the darkest parts of your soul. Here on Back from the Borderline, there is no finish line, no quick fix or cure, there is no outcome, only eternal unfolding. On this podcast, we learn to view our symptoms as saviors, as alerts from our body, mind, and spirit that let us know when we're out of alignment with our deepest yearnings of our soul. From chaos comes clarity. Through working and integrating the concepts we'll explore together here, you will emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of the person you used to be. On today's episode, we are going to be diving into a few different concepts. We're going to be talking about the rise of AI images and what this means for our sense of body autonomy online. I truly believe that this is something that we are going to need to become incredibly conscious of over the coming years and by listening to this episode you are going to be incredibly well informed and it's also meant to spark some 
inner reflection for you. I encourage you to share this episode and discuss these themes and topics with the people you love and care about so that we can all work together to protect ourselves. We are going to be exploring all of this through the lens of a recent controversy that happened around a prominent gamer and YouTuber and Twitch streamer named Atrioc. And if you're thinking, I don't care about a Twitch streamer and all the drama around it, stay with me and listen to the full episode because I tie it into wider themes. We are going to have to start becoming incredibly cognizant of the images and videos we see online. Right now, AI images and AI-generated videos might look a little bit cheesy and really obvious, but the technology is still relatively new. AI-generated content, whether that be written, audio, video, photo, whatever that may be, it's going to become a prominent part of our lives more and more in the years to come. And as always on this podcast, we don't label things good and bad. There are good and bad aspects of just about everything. But what's really important is that we are conscious of the implications of things and become more aware and conscious of what we're consuming online. And it's already incredibly important to be critical about what you let in and what you don't let in when it comes to your online consumption habits, but it's even more important now. So as I mentioned, come with me and explore this controversy that surrounded this Twitch streamer Atrioc and dive into the world of AI porn, AI generated images, and the implications that this will have on our sense of body autonomy. I hope you enjoy it. Since we're going to be talking about this controversy that has to do with Atrioc, who is a Twitch streamer, let's start by diving into who is Atrioc. Brandon Ewing was born in 1991 on April 19th, so this makes him about 31 years old, and he's known online as Atrioc. He is an American Twitch streamer and YouTuber living in California. He is known for his just chatting streams, and he primarily has become famous from what I understand, the research that I've done about him online, by streaming a game that's popular called Hitman. And he collaborates with other streamers, and he is absolutely massive online. So Brandon Ewing, Atrioc, he graduated from Arizona State University in 2013 with a degree in marketing. After getting some work experience in the field of esports and entertainment, uh, Brandon, also known as Atrioc, was employed as a content marketing coordinator at Twitch in February 2014. So he actually worked for Twitch. He was then promoted to content marketing manager in September 2015, and he held that job until he left the company in 2017. He then Went and worked for another company called NVIDIA. No idea what that is, but apparently he still holds that job title today. And in between doing that, he's the global consumer marketing director. Um, and in between time in that job, he produces his content uh, that he uploads online of him streaming his gaming habits. <laughs> and he has a wife named Ari, and he proposed to her in. 2021. So 
what happened? Why is there so much controversy around Brandon Ewing, AKA Atrioc? So recently, and I believe this all blew up around January, 2023. So if you're listening to this in the future, I want to make sure that we timestamp this accurately while he was playing Hitman, which is a game apparently, which I have never played in a streaming video of him playing Hitman, a fan noticed that when he shared his browser window, a tab was left open that seemed to reveal Atriox subscription to a Fantopia page that creates explicit deep fakes depicting other female Twitch streamers. And some of these female Twitch streamers that were on this website were named Pokimane, Maya Higa, and QT Cinderella. And in the original video, Atrioc, he briefly reveals his tabs in his browser because he's he's streaming and then you can see he's kind of switching between screens. And so you can just really quickly see the tabs that he has open. And I watched this original clip, which I'll be linking in the episode description. You have to be so fucking fast to see this clip flash by the screen, but you can't get away with shit on the internet these days because eagle-eyed fans freeze-framed the thing and caught it. Um, He doesn't address the site on the stream. You can tell that he doesn't even think anyone's going to see it or maybe he even forgot he had it open. But Twitch users were actually able to pull that clip from his stream and circulate it online. So from this screenshot or this viral clip where the Twitch uh, viewers were able to see that he had this site up in his browser... They were able to find the original site that Atrioc had open in his tabs and discovered that it was a Fantopia page that was a pay-to-view page. So when you go went to this site, which has now been taken down, thankfully, um, you have to it's paywalled. So the assumption is that Atrioc paid to view this content that he had open. So he paid money to access the deep fake porn of his female Twitch streamer colleagues. So the clip of this browser fiasco was uploaded to a popular subreddit called Livestream Fails, and it went viral. And obviously at that point, Atrioc had to respond because it was blowing up. And he recorded a video with his now wife in the background sobbing. It's a really disturbing apology video, claiming that he clicked an ad in Pornhub and admitted that he did pay to see the images out of what he described was morbid curiosity. He also claimed that he would show the receipt of the Fantopia page. And the subreddit, actually, this post was deleted by the Reddit admins of this community due to the sensitive nature of the topic. So what we're going to do right now is just view, or if you're listening, just we're going to be listening to this apology video that Atrioc uploaded. And if you are uh, watching, you'll be able to see it. But if you are just listening, know that his wife is like sitting behind him in the video, like crying. It's, it's, it's a sight. So let's go ahead and take a look at the video. Hey guys, if you're, if you're joining, just, uh, just give it a few minutes, obviously. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get hearts or anything. I really, I'm going to talk about it in five minutes. I just don't want too many crazy comments. Sorry, 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 sorry. I think we can start. 
everyone here probably knows what's going on. Uh, I want to say, first of all, that it's true. It's a, it's a hundred percent true. I looked at a deep fake porn video of streamers. It's, uh, it's disgusting. Is it really it's disgusting? It's disgusting. It's fucking, it's wrong. I'm deeply fucking embarrassed about this. I'm, I'm deeply fucking I'm embarrassed. I'm angry at myself. Uh, I, I feel fucking, I just feel so fucking stupid. I, I don't know if I should include this or not, but I have the fucking, the receipt thing right here. This, this is, it, which was, it's from the exact same day that that fucking clip is from. All right. There's no pattern of behavior. It's not months and months and months. It, it was just one video on the same day. And I just stupidly left the fucking tab open. And it was at 2 a.m. on the night before when, when Ari was uh, out of town. So, um, And again, there's no excuse for it. I'm not, I'm not defending it anyway. I think this whole fucking category of stuff is wrong. I, I, 100%. But I'm just, I want people to know that, you know, because the thing that I think that hurt me the most is like, I've done a lot on the stream to like create a pattern of behavior where I really want, especially women on Twitch to feel safer. Like I... Uh, we call fucking booba spam cringe. We don't do that there. I've never made like a fucking weird, I don't know, seat sniffing joke. I've never done anything like that. I've never done anything like that on this stream. And we don't tolerate any sex behavior in the chat. We, we ban it on site. And uh, and like I've done this consistently over and over and over. And then fucking at 2 a.m., you know, I've been, I've been watching so much fucking, I've been reading so much fucking AI stuff. I'm reading all this fucking stuff about AI and... And uh, and fucking defect music, defect art, and everything. And I'm in these fucking discords, and I was I just feel so embarrassing to admit. But I was on fucking Pornhub, dude. I was on a fucking regular ass normal fucking website, and there was an ad. There's an ad on every fucking video for this fucking. So I know other people must be clicking it because it's on every fucking video for fucking defect thing. And then I click it, and I'm fucking in this fucking rabbit hole. And at 2 a.m., I fucking. I, I don't know. I got morbidly curious and I clicked something and I, and I, it's just fucking, it's, it's gross. It's gross. And I'm sorry. I really am. I really fucking am. It's not, I don't know. It's, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. But I just really want to get across. It's not like a fucking pattern of behavior. I just hate doing this on stream, man. This is not what my stream's about at all. I hate this drama stuff and I, but I just feel bad. I don't, and I saw some comments people that are in my community that were uh that were talking and they they felt so let down and it made me feel so fucking sick i know i'm like joking a lot of this street but it does mean a lot to me like i put a lot of fucking time into it i'm sorry i'm just fucking sorry i i i don't i don't support this stuff i don't believe this stuff i'm not like a fucking advocate in any way i regret it i would never do it as long as i live like as long as I live, i'll never do anything like this again just too much information but i'm the most fucking vanilla guy when it comes to anything like i, I we don't do sexual jokes on here i i don't know i just clicked a fucking link at 2 a.m and i and it, and the morals didn't catch up to me and and uh i'm sorry i really i really fucking am uh i don't know if you have any, i'm sorry i cut you off I, I feel like no it's just it's just deeply upsetting and extremely embarrassing but I do believe Brandon in saying this is not a pattern of behavior. You know, he's pretty transparent with everything, keeping all his tabs open all the time. So I'm pretty privy to what he's up to. <laughs> and Brandon always clicks through paywalls. So that wasn't kind of like an obstacle for him. 
And when he assures me that he'll never do anything like this again, I fully believe that. I feel I feel like it's just pain. Like right in my fucking gut. Like I got punched. And I I I just hate that that's gonna be even associated with me. Because I don't I don't believe in it. I don't stand for it. I think it's fucking wrong. Alright, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Guys, have a have a good rest of your day. Thanks for uh taking a moment. So we just watched the apology video and just to give a a fair assessment, he looks like he's been crying a lot. His wife is in the background, clearly distraught, and he chalks this up to morbid curiosity. He saw an ad for it and he just couldn't help but click into it and see what it was. So that's what he shared there. So the person in question that made this AI deep fake porn website uh, has taken down this site due to the controversy and, to be fair, probably fears of the lawsuit from QT Cinderella, who was one of the Twitch streamers who was featured in one of the deep fake porn videos that was on this Fantopia page Atrioc had supposedly been viewing in his browser. QT Cinderella responded to the situation by tweeting people to stop spreading the site. And she was saying, fuck Atrioc for showing it to thousands of people. And she claimed that she was planning on filing a lawsuit against the AI deepfake creator on stream. So reportedly, Atrioc and QT Cinderella are even friends with each other, and they've previously appeared on streams together in the past. I don't know how close they actually are, but they have collaborated. They are essentially then colleagues. So this makes it even more disturbing. So on January 30th, 2023, she tweeted this. I want to scream. Stop. Everybody fucking stop. Stop spreading it. Stop advertising it. Stop. Being naked against your will should not be part of this job. Thank you to all the male internet journalists reporting on this issue. She puts journalist in air quotes. Fucking losers. And then another tweet that she released. The amount of body dysmorphia I've experienced since seeing those photos has ruined me. It's not as simple as just being violated. It's so much more than that. And that tweet is also from later that same day on January 30th, 2023. Interestingly, QT Cinderella's boyfriend, Ludwig, is another Twitch streamer who was also friends with Atrioc. And he posted a video of his own on his Twitch streaming channel called just Atrioc. And at the end of the video, Ludwig says, quote, I don't want to be like a defender of Atrioc, you know. That's not what I want to do. Like, I do believe, maybe naively as the guy who's been scammed for $50,000, that he isn't like a shitty, seedy person who's like secretly jacking off to my girlfriend, QT Cinderella. Like, I don't think that's that guy. I think he fucked up. But sometimes, like, that's enough. Like, one fuck up is enough. And this is just directly quoting from his video, which is why I'm doing all the, the likes. So QT Cinderella actually went live on January 30th, the same day that she wrote those tweets that we just explored, 
to explain the toll that the process has taken on her in person. So we're going to watch that. But I think it's really interesting because this Twitch community, these people are all very close. They collaborate with each other. They, they play games with each other, right? They, so these people are colleagues and that's what really stood out to me in exploring all the fallout from this because these people are all so intimately connected. But let's go ahead and watch what QT Cinderella uh, shared in her live stream as her response. I can only imagine being her. She wanted to say in her own words how she felt. And it's tough to watch. Uh, I've seen it, but let's go ahead and watch it together. Yo, <laughs> this is probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. Genuinely, probably. And I'm sure everyone in the world would tell me not to go live right now. I'm sure everyone would. I'm genuinely, I'm like, don't even want to look at my phone. I'm sure everybody would. But <laughs> I wanted to go live because I want to go live because this is what pain looks like. This is what it looks like. Okay. This is what it looks like. Fuck the fucking internet. Fuck the constant exploitation and objectification of women. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Fuck Atrioc for showing it to thousands of people. Fuck the people DMing me pictures of myself from that, from that website. Fuck you all. This is what it looks like. This is what the pain looks like. Okay. Why? Why? If you are able to look at women who are not selling themselves or benefiting off of being seen sexually, they're not benefiting, they're not selling it, they're not platforming it themselves. If you are able to look at that, you are the problem. You see women as an object. You should not be okay doing that. And it should not be a part of my job to have to pay money to get this stuff taken down. It should not be part of my job to be harassed, to see pictures of me nude spread around. It should not be something that is found on the internet. It shouldn't be. That's, that shouldn't be a part of my job. And the fact that it is, is exhausting. And to the person that made that website, I'm going to fucking sue you. I promise you. With every part of my soul, I'm going to fucking sue you. That's all I have to say. I know I shouldn't have gone live. But I couldn't do it. I'm so exhausted. And I think you guys need to know what pain looks like. Because this is it. This is what it looks like to feel violated. This is what it looks like to feel taken advantage of. This is what it looks like to see yourself naked against your will being spread all over the internet. This is what it looks like. That's it. That's all I have to say. Goodbye. I don't condone the behavior of anybody involved in this. That's it. Oof. It's really, really hard to watch. In this video, you know, she says most of the time she's just repeating why, 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 fuck the fucking internet, how exhausting it is. And she says, you know, if you can look at that, if you can enter your credit card details and pay money to view something that you know was created without the consent of the person involved, then you are part of the problem. I also thought she made a really profound point when she said it shouldn't be part of her job to pay money to get this stuff taken down. She's now going to probably 
be and not probably she will be now involved in this really toxic game of whack-a-mole trying to get rid of all these images that are floating around on the internet that it's not even like those of us who took nudes you know like she didn't even take these herself it was her likeness being artificially put in to pornographic images and it reminds me of the Pamela Anderson documentary that just came out on Netflix you know, how she, and I highly recommend watching that if you haven't already, you're really taken into her world where what she was going through when the sex tape of her and her then husband, Tommy Lee, was released without her consent and how she was just treated so horrifically in court when she was pregnant while she was in the courtroom and they basically told her because she posed in Playboy that she deserved this, that everyone, that she's basically public property for viewing and watching QT Cinderella, it really made me devastated because we haven't come that much further and it doesn't matter if you don't consent, if you didn't put something out there, people should not be able to distribute videos, photos, of your naked body or your artificially naked body without your consent. It's really disturbing. Female streamers have come out in droves supporting QT Cinderella. And also there were other uh, female Twitch streamers who were wrapped up in this and who found out that their images were on this fucked up site as well. So I might be mispronouncing these names, so please bear with me. But... Um, Pokimane, who is a really popular female Twitch streamer. She's one of the most popular and followed streamers on Twitch to this day, female streamers, mind you. She tweeted this on January 31st, stop sexualizing people without their consent. That's it. That's the tweet. Rachel Hofsetter, better known as Valkyrie, and I think that's how I pronounce that, She tweeted on January 30th, it should be illegal to profit off somebody's likeness and sex work without consent, whether it's fake or not. Talking about it will bring these sites more attention, but I hope it will also be a step forward closer to law that can help protect people from being used in this way. So another streamer who goes by Sweet Anita, she was also included in the screenshots and Atriox tabs. She tweeted this, this story was how I found out that I'm on this website. I literally choose to pass up millions by not going into sex work and some random Cheeto encrusted porn addict solicits my body without my consent. Instead, I don't know whether to cry, break shit or laugh at this point. Sorry. She says break stuff (laughs) or laugh at this point. Another streamer says seeing some awful takes regarding this deep fake situation We are real humans with real lives that are affected by situations like these. It goes much further than, quote, it's not real. Please have some compassion and think beyond it's not affecting you in any way. So Maya Higa put out a longer response on Twitter. So it was like a screenshot of something she wrote. And this was on January 31st. She writes, In 2018, I was inebriated at a party and I was used for a man's sexual gratification without my consent. Today, I've been used by hundreds of men for sexual gratification without my consent. The world calls my 2018 experience rape. The world is debating over the validity of my experience today. 
The debate over our experience as women in this is not shockingly amongst men. None of you should care or listen to what any male streamers take is on how we feel. I founded a nonprofit animal sanctuary at 22 years old. I have raised over $1 million for conservation work at 24 years old. I have created zero sexual content in my three years on Twitch. Despite this, my face was stolen so men could make me into a sexual object to use for themselves. If anyone doesn't think that it's a big deal that my name is in headlines where thousands of people are commenting on the sexualization of my body against my will, you are the problem. This situation makes me feel disgusting, vulnerable, nauseous, and violated, and all of these feelings are far too familiar to me. This is not your debate. Stop acting like it is. Another female Twitch streamer named Adept, who goes by Adept the Best on Twitter. These are all tweeted on January 30th. She writes, My heart goes to all the creators who have a whole roller coaster of emotions to process right now. I know it's shocking to see what looks like yourself in these fakes, but you have to remember them as exactly that. Fakes. There aren't many options for us to have them removed, so unfortunately, we find ourselves caught between a rock and a hard place of letting these images and the people who make and consume them occupy our thoughts or to relinquish any feelings of shame and embarrassment by remembering this is someone else's perversion at no fault of our own. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be going through what these creators are going through, and it should send shockwaves and fear throughout everyone who this could happen to, because it can happen to anyone. This is just the beginning, right? We're starting to see it actually play out. If you haven't been horrified by all of these AI selfie generators, I've seen so many of my female content creators out there, even in the mental health community, using these AI image generation tools. And you always see when a female uploads her image, she's upload. you can see that the images generated by this are extremely sexualized. They're very sexy selfies. You can see that they almost turn women into like Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, versions of themselves, which goes to show you how these AIs are built. When I see selfies of men, they're not looking sexualized. And this is how this AI technology is built. It clearly has learned to sexualize women. So let's talk about what are deep fakes because that's what this whole controversy is around. And deep fakes are going to be something in the coming years that we're really going to have to wrap our heads around. You won't have a choice of whether or not to know what a deep fake is because you're going to want to know because it's going to determine what is real and what is not in the things that you're going to be consuming. Humankind has been obsessed with the uncanny valley phenomenon. And if you don't know what that is, it is the unsettling feeling that creeps in when we look at something that resembles a human, but we know isn't actually a human. It's why we tend to feel kind of creeped out by robots that are just a little bit too lifelike, but we aren't as creeped out by those like robot dogs uh, that you see, for example, when they look very robotic. We don't want to see anything that looks a little too human, but we know it's not human. That's the uncanny valley phenomenon. But 
The issue is, is that as AI algorithms grow more and more sophisticated, it's going to become much more difficult to spot the difference between a video image or audio file that has been digitally manipulated, also known as synthetic media versus something that's actually real. Deep fakes are images generated by machine learning algorithms that swap one person's face onto another person's body. And historically, they've been primarily used to make non-consensual fake sex tapes that target and harass women. They first started appearing in about 2018, and since then, deep fakes have been used as a way to control women's bodies online. And targets of non-consensual, sexually explicit deepfakes report that these videos have real devastating effects on their mental well-being and their ability to exist online. And when it happens to online personalities like streamers or cosplayers, logging off and abandoning their livelihoods isn't really a reasonable option. And female streamers already contend with massive amounts of sexism, objectification, and disrespect as part of being online that quite frankly, their male counterparts don't have to contend with. Cosplayers similarly report rampant deep fake harassment that makes existing online difficult and even traumatizing for them. So most states in the United States have laws against non-consensual sexual material but only California, Virginia, and Texas specifically name deepfakes. And even with laws in place that penalize people who make and spread malicious deepfakes, getting recourse as a victim can be extremely difficult. You can understand this. Just think about how hard it is for women who are being physically abused to get justice. Imagine women who have been raped or sexually assaulted, how often their accounts are questioned and how hard it is for them to get justice. Imagine how much harder it is when this layer of artificial technology is added. It's just a layer of complexity and the technology is moving faster than our laws can keep up with. And that means that these women are suffering and there is no justice yet because this is the wild west of the internet. This is the first time it's happening. Similar, again, it reminds me of the Pamela Anderson documentary. She said in the documentary, at the time her sex tape was leaked, she was patient zero of sex tape. This had not happened before, and there was no framework to follow. And she didn't release it on her own for publicity. It was something that just happened to her, and there was no legal recourse. So deep fake technology has dramatically improved over the years, understandably, which has led to commercial applications for it. Deep fake technology is used in advertisement and movies. And although it offers new creative techniques, because as with anything, there is a light and dark side to everything. Many question whether it's fair to imitate someone's likeness by training a model on their photographs and speech without their permission. Some people thought it was wrong when the voice of Anthony Bourdain was cloned in a documentary about him after he had passed away by suicide, for example. In February 2023, Emma Watson, who is the actress who got her start in the Harry Potter franchise by playing Hermione and has gone on to have a prolific acting career and has done a lot of humanitarian work, she made headlines 
earlier this week when an audio clip of her reading from Mein Kampf, which if you're not familiar with Mein Kampf, Mein Kampf was written by Adolf Hitler, his book. It went viral online. So someone deep faked her voice reading Mein Kampf by Hitler, but it actually wasn't the actress at all. What it sounded like her was actually a deep fake created, used by artificial intelligence um, that had been trained on Watson's real voice to sound creepily like the real deal. So the EU has rules in place already restricting deep fakes online, including fining companies who do not have policies in place to detect and remove disinformation and bot accounts. And some states in the United States have banned them using um, like revenge porn laws. But as I mentioned before, only a few states actually specifically mention deep fakes. A lot of these are um, revenge porn laws. Just last month on Tuesday, January 10th, China followed through on a wide sweeping plan to ban deep fake tech used to spread misinformation and impersonate people without their consent. And government policies enforced by the Cyberspace Administration of China, also known as the CAC, will require, quote, deep synthesis service providers to ensure their AI algorithms are not being misused for illegal activities like committing fraud, scams, or distributing false and harmful information. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And these laws in China also ensure that any clips like this clearly label synthetic content by adding a watermark to it. And the CAC in China also said that synthetic media threatens China's social stability and national security. The internet regulator warned against using AI to, quote, produce, copy, publish, and disseminate illegal and harmful information or impersonating another person's identity to commit fraud, according to a translation of the statement issued this month. According to an analysis from Bloomberg's Bureau of National Affairs, up to 40% of all copyright claims in federal court come from a single adult film studio. Despite the increased accessibility of porn, both due to the internet and illegal file sharing, it remains highly stigmatized. It's something people watch and take pleasure from, but they also want to distance from their own lives and they're kind of like shameful about watching it 
I'm not, this isn't me making a statement. It's just a weird reality about porn, right? It's something so widely used, but so commonly hidden. And that separation is something that accounts for, uh, you know, the inherent misogyny that is steeped into porn as a culture. And deep fakes take this dynamic to an entirely new level. Because most of the deep fakes that have created a stir online have featured a female celebrity. The only male celebrities whose faces were used in broadly shared AI-assisted videos were Nicolas Cage, who appeared as the face of James Bond and Indiana Jones, and Donald Trump, who appeared as the office's Michael Scott. Both of these videos were parodies, though. They weren't porn. So it's not hard to see why female celebrities have been the main target because the movie industry has had a really long history of objectifying and sexualizing women. In a 2013 USC Annenberg study observing gender roles in popular films, researchers found that women were on screen far less often than men. Of the over 4,000 speaking characters in the films that were studied, only 28% were women, meaning that not only were women appearing less, they were also talking less in these videos. They were, however, far more likely than men to appear partially naked or in sexy clothing on screen. Deep fake videos escalate Hollywood's sexualization of women to disturbing extremes, and the intense interest in deep fakes could be a desire to fulfill a fantasy and see female celebrities who are admired but don't do porn. But it could also be a kind of way to put women down, a way to like denigrate them to porn. And that's not to say that there's anything shameful about doing porn, because Porn is cast typically in a negative light, portraying someone in a sexually explicit image or video without their consent is a way to shame them in today's world. And the fact that this is simpler than ever has human rights activists very concerned. It's why China is saying it's a national security threat. And while AI-assisted fake porn has been limited to celebrities so far, The technology is easy for anyone to access and use, suggesting that it could be used as a form of revenge porn. So while we are all innocently uploading our images to get these cool AI selfies, we never know where our likeness could be being used. And it's something that is a very harsh and uncomfortable truth that we need to sit with. So there's some evidence that this may already be happening. And according to an article in Forbes, some Reddit users have inquired about making deep fakes using their ex-girlfriend's photos. And what is especially troubling is that it's becoming hard to separate what's real from what's fake because the technology is getting so, so good. A woman named Carrie Goldberg, who is the founder of a law firm named C.A. Goldberg, PLLC, says, Improvements in the tech will make it even more difficult to convince others of its inauthenticity. Ten years from now, we could all have prolific porn careers without our consent. So let's talk about who's to blame, right? We love doing this in the society. It's like we're seeing Atrioc, this guy, you know, who's the whole controversy started with 
a tab in his stream going viral, right? And that's how it all started. And so he is kind of the focus of all of the anger. But while I do think that he has a lot to answer for, and I'm sure that he is answering for it big time in his own marriage, his career, he is having some serious consequences to deal with. I feel like sometimes when we're so busy piling on the person, we forget about the bigger dynamics and themes at play. And this is not going to be the last time this happens. And instead of piling on one individual, it's so important that we zoom out and figure out collectively what are the bigger issues at play here. And questions of accountability have led to pointed fingers all around. Is it the creators of open source AI who are to blame or social networks who aren't policing the content fast enough? And these are the issues that tech and all other industries are going to be grappling with in the coming years. We're going to be watching this play out as a society right in front of our eyes. There is a quote here that I want to read by Asmina Drodia, who is a technology and human rights researcher at Amnesty International. And she says, this is a stark example of how the rapid development of AI technology and its increasingly widespread use is raising big questions for human rights and society. Governments, industry, and civil society are already playing catch up. So it really does raise a whole host of questions around ethics and morality and how we use AI that has the power to manipulate our perceptions of reality. And these kinds of deep fakes that we're talking about here in this Atriot controversy have the power to ruin people's lives, their careers, and it perpetuates this never-ending cycle of abuse and harassment that women are forced to contend with online. Now, the pervasive threat posed by deep fakes demonstrates why it's more important than ever to treat what you encounter online with a lot of skepticism. We're going to have to start teaching our children and older web users alike to think critically about what they see on the internet, knowing that videos and audio can be doctored as well as images. And this is going to, in coming years, become a key aspect of online media literacy. It's going to have to be something that we're constantly thinking about. Is this real or is it not? We can see a video of the president of the United States telling us something in a video and it could look completely real, but it could be completely fabricated. It's, it's pretty scary to think about the implications this has outside of even revenge porn or deep fake porn. Trang Lee who is a doctoral researcher at the Australian Research Council Center of Excellence in Automated Decision-Making and Society at Monash University, said, TikTok definitely has ethical, social, and human rights responsibilities to their users and those affected by their platforms, but that spotted deepfakes can be challenging and that current efforts from platforms still have low accuracy levels in detecting AI, Right. We need better ways to differentiate what's fake and from what's real online. We need greater access to recourse for victims of deep fake porn. 
And the best way to safeguard against problematic deep fakes is to improve the methods that we use to detect them, which can easily be bypassed by creators savvy enough to strip out these digital watermarks that China is going to start attempting to implement and other identifying features, and then they'll just release them back into the public. So as I mentioned before, it's like that carnival game, whack-a-mole, right? As soon as you whack one, another pops up and it's just this constant attempt of trying to keep it under wraps. Trang Lee also said, we definitely need to develop regulations, increase public awareness, and deploy mechanisms such as screening, reporting, and removal policies to reduce or limit the spread of harmful deepfakes. Ultimately, the deepfake genie is out of the bottle, right? We are yet to see political deepfakes, as I mentioned before, that are convincing enough to potentially spark wars or actually threaten democracy in a meaningful way. But the technology is only going to become more powerful, more accessible to the everyday person and more convincing. And right now people are making deep fakes for these really dark purposes. Like we're seeing here in this Atriot controversy and they have little reason to stop. And in the meantime, you should probably not believe everything that you hear and you should be really critical about the things that you see, especially if someone is sending you explicit or sexual images of someone that you may know, it may not even be real. It isn't clear whether there will be concrete consequences for either Atrioc or the person who created the site. That person has since taken the site down and released a statement saying that they were feeling really guilty about what they did and that they would, would not be coming back to the internet when in reality, I think it was just because they were scared that they were going to get the shit suit out of them. But the backlash online has really been fierce against Atrioc. It sounds like and looks like he is facing consequences for what he did. Sometimes I feel like the online pitchfork mob can get really fierce. This man is going to face problems in his marriage and probably lots of stuff for him and his wife to overcome. His uh, living is going to be compromised. And what a really hard lesson to learn. Some people are fighting back. And I think it's really important to talk about this. How are people fighting back against this horrific shit that's going down? How are we going to protect our digital rights? So a year ago, the United Nations Sexual and Reproductive Health Agency launched BodyRight, which is a new copyright for human bodies. I thought it was really interesting. And this campaign highlights that corporate logos and copyrighted intellectual property are more highly valued and better protected than images of people's bodies are online. Really powerful statement and something to think about. It drives the message that women, girls, racial and ethnic minorities, and the LGBTQ plus community and other marginalized groups are undervalued, exploited, and violated online. And the ambition is for everyone to join the movement to hold policymakers, companies, and individuals to account. And to launch the campaign, UNFPA has partnered with award-winning poet and spoken word artist, Rakaya Fatuga. I really hope I'm not butchering her name. She's from London, but she is from Ghanaian and Nigerian heritage. And Rakaya authored and performed a spoken word poetry piece 
communicating the impact of online violence and the concept of body right. And the heart of the body right movement is this symbol that, and if you imagine a copyright symbol, which is a C with a circle around it, body right symbol is a B with a circle around it. And the idea of this movement is that a B symbol, this body right symbol can be added to any image directly via Instagram stories or using stickers or by going to the body right webpage to use the automatic body right tool and download the symbol directly. So let's listen to the video that the UNFPA released on YouTube, which is called own your body, and Rakaya is doing this beautiful spoken word poetry piece. Ever had your phone shoot lightning and attack with no sound? When someone comes for you online, your image tapped, shared, and multiplied, it's public. But only you feel it spear through your thoughts until your body isn't yours, until you can't work the same, can't concentrate, can't clean shame off the smiles you wear, pretending none of it struck you. And from a cyber storm, you ask for help to delete the comments and take the pictures down. But you're met with slow systems and silence. If you turned your trauma into a song for copyright, it would have more protection than a woman online. Can't we do better than these shoddy rights? Give our image and our bodies rights. Real repercussions when lightning strikes. Abuse won't end on its own. We have to fight. Really powerful video there. And it's really beautiful to see the beginnings of a whole new wave of activism, but also just kind of wild to watch. It's just not something that I'm sure many of us ever anticipated that we would have to become activists about, or this is not a fear that many of us have even really conceived of quite yet. And as I mentioned before, this might be happening to people that uh, have massive followings and people that are in the public eye, but it is only a matter of time before this starts to trickle down. And as all of these experts have said, become more accessible to more people and become a problem for more and more people, particularly women. On the 1st of February, 2023, Atrioc posted a longer and more thought out apology on Twitter. A lot of people were pretty critical on him saying that he never should have gone live in that first video that we watched with his wife in the background. And you can tell he was very emotional and it wasn't really well thought through. Let's go ahead and read what Atrioc said in this statement that he posted on Twitter. So he writes, Hey, This statement is long and overdue. My actions have taken me from someone I was proud of, trying to make a positive impact in my community, to a deep fake porn guy. The scar of that is felt deeply on my heart. First and foremost, I want to specifically apologize to Maya and Pokimane. You were both in the screenshot that spread around the internet. Your names were dragged into it, and you were sexualized against your will. You have both succeeded in this industry in spite of all the blatant, unfounded, sexist attempts to hurl or assassinate your character in a male-dominated space. And now, I'm another guy on that long list. I'm sorry I didn't reach out sooner. I'm sorry my actions have led to further exploitation of you and your body. And I'm sorry your experience is not uncommon. The reality is... I have it easy compared to the dozens of women who, from my actions, discovered that they are exploited unconsensually. I'm sorry to all of you for the pain I've caused with my actions and its ripple effect. QT described it to me as a quote wildfire, and I believe that is correct. 
My goal now is concrete action to fight that wildfire and do everything I can to combat the damage. In the short term, though, the efforts of QT and Ryan Morrison's law firm, the website in question has already been taken down. I've spoken with Morrison, who is QT's lawyer, and I'm working to cover the financial cost of the takedown as well as all legal fees for the women affected to use his services for removing their unwanted content from the web. Additionally, I'm engaging more law firms to continue to remove this content from other areas of the internet, such as Reddit. To ensure this issue has my full focus, I'm stepping away from content creation and off-brand, which apparently is the company that he just started or joined. I don't know, but he's like stepping away. Lastly, to anyone who has expressed the sentiment of support that what I did wasn't wrong or that I shouldn't apologize, fuck you. Sincerely. I do not want your support. I do not stand with you. This will be the last time you hear from me for a while. I'd rather you see my actions. I will try my absolute hardest to combat the damage that I have caused. Let's talk about some responses to this apology from fellow Twitch streamers and fans. So one Twitter user, I don't know if they're a streamer, as I told you, I am so not in this community. (laughs) Um, I just don't know anything. So I'm I'm a newbie to all of this. One Twitter user whose name is Deathsea tweeted, not commenting on, condoning, nor supporting any actions of the incident whatsoever, but my thoughts are with you, Atrioc, and your efforts on this fight to make things right, my dude. I believe in your goodness. Another user named Heather on Twitter um, says, at Atrioc initial apology, driven by emotion and erratic, causing harm to the women involved. Second apology, thought out thoroughly, action already being taken, and continued to be taken, private apologies sent, plus a public one, you have my respect for handling this well the second time. Another Twitter user named Zinnia says, at Atrioc, I hope your talks with those you've affected have been beneficial to everyone involved. I hope from this awful wildfire you ignited, some good can come from it. Like making sure women in the streaming space are safer from stuff like this and or have resources to fight it. And a few comments from the live stream uh, fail subreddit that I found. One user says, yeah, written stuff always goes over better. Never address a situation like that in a video, much less a live stream. Another one says, this should have been the only thing he released after the situation. The stream he did exposed it so that many more people and hurt his reputation arguably even more than getting caught itself ever did. Glad he's taking it seriously and called out people defending him. Another user says, about as good an apology as you can ask for. Just another in the line of depressing ends to otherwise fun content creators. So let's talk about this for a minute, right? Because I tend to agree with some of these users here. You can't really ask for a better apology in this second one that Atrioc did. You know, he's taking accountability for what he did. He has apologized in private to the people that it impacted. He's also taking action in helping pay the legal fees for these people. And he's actually stepping away for a while to contemplate this and put his efforts on something. So only time will tell whether or not Atrioc walks the walk. This could be the birth of someone who really has like a second wind of becoming an activist for something like this. Maybe this will make a huge impact on him. Maybe it won't. But I think 
the more important thing to share here is what does it really do to publicly shame and crucify Atrioc into the abyss, right? It's looking like he's learning a really, really hard lesson in a very, very public way. And I'm really, really hoping that we will see him acknowledge and follow up on these promises that he's making. But I think the more important people to center in this entire thing are the victims here, who are these female streamers who had their bodies used in such a horrific way, in such an unconsensual way. And I just can't even imagine what these women must be going through. So I hope you've enjoyed this deep dive into this issue. I think this is something that is going to be a front and center topic in our lives in the coming years. It's going to be interesting to watch how all of this unfolds. It's going to be incredibly difficult for these girls and women to try their best to eradicate these images that have been spread of them online, and only time will tell where things go. I think what we can take from this is to start being, right now, very skeptical about what you see online. Already, look at the influencers you follow. You'll see Kim Kardashian upload a picture, and you know that's not what she looks like in real life. You'll see, if you watch an episode of The Kardashians and you watch the talking head interviews with Khloe Kardashian, and then you see the picture she uploads on Instagram, they look like two completely different humans. Zaz and I just the other day were watching The Ultimatum France on Netflix, and one of the girls looked they had her in in an interview and then they flashed some of her Instagram pictures up on the screen and it just looked like two completely different humans. You couldn't believe that the person that was talking to you on the camera was the same person that was on Instagram. And clearly she had a really big Instagram presence. And this is someone who's making money off of putting her face and image online and editing it to such intense proportions that you can't even tell that it's her. So this is already happening in a different way. It's just that it's going to take on entirely new life. So it's really time for us to start looking at things online incredibly skeptically, especially if it's someone that you don't know personally, but now even more so people that you know personally. As I said, in coming years, if you are sent some link that is supposedly a sexually explicit video of someone you know in the coming months, years, this is something that you should not automatically believe. And it fills me with a whole lot of empathy for women who have gone through this, who have been so highly scrutinized and sexualized in the public eye. It reminds me of, you know, as I've mentioned throughout this video and throughout this podcast episode, Pamela Anderson, even recently, another documentary on Netflix that explores the life of Shania Twain and how she had to fight to be seen for the truly talented artist that she was when she was such a sex object and a sex symbol. Circling back to that truly heartbreaking video from QT Cinderella, the streamer who was at the center of this and found her images in this deep fake shithole website, is she just said it's exhausting. She's tired. She's exhausted of this. This is just one thing, I'm sure, in a line of 
whenever she goes on streaming, I'm, I don't even follow her, but I can, she's a pretty girl. I can only imagine that every single time that she fires up her streaming camera, she just wants to do her job. She loves gaming. It's what she's passionate about. And I can't even imagine the disgusting comments that she has to field online. I myself was in the Miss Teen uh, USA pageant when I was a teenager, and we were told by our pageant directors, don't read the YouTube comments. Don't even do it. They told our parents to keep us away because we would see grown men writing really sexually explicit things about our teenage bodies. Really, really gross stuff. But as we know, this has been happening for a long ass time and it's going to continue happening, but it's just going to get wilder, crazier, darker, and more artificially generated. I'd love to hear what you think about this. If you would like to share your thoughts, you can go ahead and call in to the podcast and leave a voicemail by going to my website at backfromtheborderline.com. This is a controversial subject. I'd also just like to reiterate here that I am not a Twitch streamer. I don't, if I misspoke or mispronounced anyone's name throughout this, bear with me because I'm just doing my best here, but I just wanted to shine a light on an issue that I think is going to be front and center for many months and years to come. My heart goes out to anyone who has been impacted by revenge porn, by this deep fake technology, and be careful out there. Don't believe everything you see and read online. Critical thinking is more important than ever right now. I hope you've enjoyed this main part of the podcast. I finish every episode with a preview of my second private podcast, My Stupid Walk for My Stupid Mental Health. On this week's episode, instead of going straight on a walk, I dive into responding to some listener email and voicemail questions submitted by my premium submarines. When you sign up to become a premium submarine, you can have your email questions and voicemail questions prioritized to be answered on a future episode of My Stupid Walk for My Stupid Mental Health. Premium submarines also unlock over 110 hours of bonus and archived Back from the Borderline episodes. In addition to that, as a premium submarine, you'll receive my monthly Sonar System mailer, which is my newsletter that contains all of the most inspirational recovery resources that I've come across that month. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up at the link in the episode description. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's preview of my stupid walk for my stupid mental health. All right, everyone, we are back at my desk and right now you have a chance to grab your walking shoes and get out there and take this second part of this podcast episode on you with your walk. I have so many submarine emails and questions to get to that I thought this week I will just answer some listener questions here at my desk and you can take your walk right along as we do that. So let's get into it. Our first email is from Emily and Emily is a premium submarine and she writes, Hey Molly, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Funny story. I broke my phone a couple of days ago. RIP your phone, Emily. Sorry to hear about that. 
and it's forced me to be a lot more alone with myself. So I've been listening to your podcast on my laptop throughout the day and being thrown back into solitary confinement. Get it? (laughs) Anyways, you got me thinking a lot about what my needs and values are, and it sparked an interesting thought. Do adults ever play? Are we deprived of our playful abandon that we're cultivated at a young age? Dogs play well into the end of their lives. I feel like playing as an adult now looks like sports or maybe dance. Maybe play is linked to creativity. You see, I had a hard year this last year and I won't get into the details, but ultimately it led me to your podcast and I quit my customer service job and started walking dogs. I just figured out that I get joy from walking dogs because of their playful nature and it makes my inner child happy. However, I find it hard to spark that feeling as an adult. Could it be that some of us as adults might be lacking in social play, the kind where your ego's at the door and it's just you, the activity, and your people? Sorry about this tangent. I definitely fell into a thought spiral and let my fingers fly at the keyboard. Thank you for this community. Grateful. So never apologize. I love this and I think it's worth reflecting on. It's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. We really don't play. And I think this also builds up this frustration and resentment inside of us that comes out in other ways. It can come out in our tendency to control other people or even feel jealous and angry when we see someone being playful and openly expressive. And as we talked about before on previous Stupid Walks and Public Feed episodes of the podcast, when we feel resentful or jealous of someone, it likely means that they're inspiring us in some way, or their existence is shining a light on something that we perceive that we lack in ourselves and in our lives. And I've spoken about this before. I'll see women specifically like really inhibited and being playful and free. And that used to really trigger me. And it would trigger me to the point of being like, that's not how real life is anyways. Like, whatever. Nobody's actually like that in real life. Why did I react so viscerally to that? It's because I didn't, I wanted that deep down and telling myself that it's not realistic or possible or no adults can actually do that in real life helped protect me from actually having to face the fact that maybe I've just deprived myself of fun and play in my life. And you're right, Emily, play can look like dancing and playing music and allowing yourself to download a video game. Like I used to love playing the Sims, um, board games, getting a coloring book. Adult coloring books are underrated. It's so calming and it can really connect you back to this childlike feeling and just even cultivating a playful attitude towards life. So many of us were raised in environments where It was all so serious and we have to remember that play is part of who we are. It allows us to unlock our creativity and those of us who struggle with emotion dysregulation are very creative people and a lot of times that creativity is very repressed and our inability to be able to express ourselves is often manifests in mental health symptoms So I love, love, love this email, Emily, and thank you for writing in and let's all make a concerted effort to bring more play into our lives. So our next voicemail is from Joe. Hey Molly, it's Joe, premium subscriber from Florida. I leave voicemails all the time. Usually I'm just like on a rant, but today I actually have a question. 
So my question is, so like I've been because of like a lot of different influences, like helping me through this, including the podcast of like, it's really helped me through my breakup and like prioritizing like my own self-compassion instead of like looking for like another like relationship or like love or anything. And I guess one of the biggest things is like realizing that like when you talk about emotionally abusing like Zaz and stuff, like I realized how much like things I did in the relationship made it like really hard for this person to want to keep being there for me. Me to like, it's like, I know it's like still like kind of soon, it's been a couple months, but like, I'm not that I'm like actively trying to really, really date because I know I need to still like spend some time by myself, but like, I also at the same time, like, I can't imagine like, I have to want to know like what your opinion is on like this part. Like me, just the fact of like trying to be okay with opening myself up to someone again and like being afraid of putting someone else through that and the whole nine yards. Okay, so Joe's voicemail got cut off there, but I think I heard enough to be able to respond to this. So many of us get to this point where we start having these reflections about our relationships and having that awakening moment where we are 50% of a relationship. And with most things, when relationships dissolve, it can be so easy to either say, you know, that person was crazy or I always end up attracting like toxic people. And so when you start waking up to your own behaviors and your own patterns and how things might be repeating themselves. Again, I want you to give yourself grace and a huge pat on the back for even getting to that point because that's massive. But now it sounds like you're at the phase where you need to start working on some of this inner critic stuff, right? Because you'd say things like, you know, you don't want to put someone through being with you and that you know that you need to be alone for a while and that you're realizing how hard you made it on the other person. And after we learn lessons in relationships, maybe something didn't work out, it's just as important to give yourself grace and remember that you are a flawed human being dating other flawed human beings. And the very fact that you are making such an effort to become more conscious to some of these patterns that have kept you stuck, getting to the root of some of your emotion dysregulation is huge. So, so many people say you need to be single for X period of time before you get with another person. There is no prescription for this. There's no perfect amount of time that you need to be single for X period of months, years, weeks before you move forward. You have to go inward, listen to that still small voice inside of you and ask, am I ready? Am I ready yet? And listen for the answer. Only you can know. Maybe you do need a bit more time just focusing on yourself, but try not to get to the place where you're almost feeling like you're telling yourself that you don't want to put anyone through being with you because that's just being really hard on yourself and you're never going to get to a stage where you're healed or fixed or that invisible finish line. Remember that we heal and grow in relationship to other people and Maybe this looks like just starting to dip your toe into dating, 
but it can be really difficult, right? Because if we struggle with big feelings, it's almost like we can fall in limerence with someone instantly. So really though, it's going to be like boot camp. And most of us that have emotion dysregulation issues, we can be just fine in recovery when we're single. And then the moment that we're back in kind of a new fling with a new person, it's almost like all the progress we can feel like is gone. Why? Because BPD, quote unquote, these symptoms, they don't develop in a vacuum. I read something somewhere once where they had said like if someone, a human was on a desert island, they could never develop the symptoms and signs of what we know as BPD. BPD symptomology is relational. And so what I'm saying is it's you can't really recover from these types of symptoms without trying again when it comes to being in relationship with other people. So that might look like making some rules for yourself. As I mentioned in a previous episode, what are your values? What are your wants? What are your needs? When have you been happiest in a relationship? When have you felt the worst in relationships? What are things going forward that you refuse to accept? And what are things that are non-negotiables that you need in a relationship? If you move forward out into the world knowing this, it's going to be a lot easier for you to identify whether it's love or limerence, whether you can see if this new person that you've met has long-term potential in your life, or if you're falling back into old patterns. But the only way you'll know is if you go out there and try. And so only you know when you're ready. But Joe, I think it's amazing the work you've already done on yourself. I'm giving you a huge hug virtually, and I can't wait to hear how it all goes. Keep us up to date. The premium submarines are invested in this journey. So our next voicemail is from Jabari. Hey, Molly. This is Jabari. I'm 25 years old from Michigan, and I am a premium subscriber. Um, I just finished the podcast with you and Zaz, and you guys are talking about finding shared core values in your relationship. There was also another episode where you were touching on your your relationship with your intuition. I'm struggling with both in my relationship right now, um, mainly questioning if they're even coming from a good place or if they're coming from my traumas, and then questioning if there was like the the expectations that I have because of those values are even reasonable when it comes to like my partner. Um, physical presence or even just deep phone conversations are like, those are important to me because I feel like they help you really create deep connections. And due to like a lot of life circumstances, my partner has just not been able to be as physically available for me as a recently. And the, even the phone connections feel like they're just not as deep as they used to be. Um, obviously this has triggered a lot of traumas, you know, for me. Um, and I just don't know if I am being unreasonable in feeling this way. And if I should, you know, like kind of just shut up and weather the storm, um, or if, or even if this is just one of those things that she's doing to like, not, you know, to really actually distance herself from me. Um, my mind vacillates between all of these things all at the same time. 
So if that's something you can kind of speak on, just how to find clarity in these moments, that'd be great. And until then, I'll keep on listening. Thank you. Hi, Jabari. Welcome to Premium Submarine Life. And thank you for supporting the podcast. You are welcome in this little submarine family. All right, everyone. That's it for this week's preview of my stupid walk for my stupid mental health. To unlock the full version of this episode, hear my answer to Jabari as well as other premium submarines, you can sign up by the link in the episode description. I hope to see you there. When you sign up to become a premium submarine on Patreon, you will just need to read the pinned post in the Patreon feed, and it is an FAQ article that tells you how to navigate all 110 hours of bonus content that you will unlock. You'll get my Hero's Journey series. You will get tons of old premium submarine episodes as well as archived episodes that are no longer available to the public from when I first started the podcast. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to dive even deeper, it's there ready for you. So I hope to see you become a premium submarine. Check out the link in the episode description. But if not, there are other ways you can support my work. You can share this podcast episode with your friend, with a therapist, with someone you love on social media. That really helps me out. You can rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And you can follow me at Back From The Borderline on Instagram. Lots of fun stuff going on there. Really great community. So I love you very much. I hope you took a lot away from today's episode and I look forward to seeing you right back here next Tuesday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.